And then we also talked some too, I realized how deep the covenant was, that so many of our common affirmations go to the root of our faith, which is scripture, and our faith in Jesus through that. And so the, the first affirmation as a covenant church is that we affirm the centrality of the word of God, that the, the word of God is our guide in life. It guides who we are and how we act. Then we also talked too about the necessity, the, the week after about the necessity of new birth, that following Jesus or uh, being a Christian requires this new life, uh, this, this being born again, as Jesus talked about in John's gospel. And that this idea that, you know, faith is, uh, it's, it's important to believe the right things, but even more than that, it's about this relationship with Jesus. It's about this new life. Uh, John has been teaching this class called the exchange life, and I think about that some when I think about new birth, that we exchange lives. We, we throw out the old life, we put to death the old life, the old way of living, the selfish way of living, and we pick up, we take on this new life, this new life in Jesus um, that's all worked in us through the Holy Spirit. So then we talked about, then too, about the, the we affirmed that the, um, this commitment to the whole mission. And we talked about that some last week, is that mission is broad. We talked about the idea that, that we are called to love the Lord our God and we're called to love each other. But then also, too, about the, the great commandment that Jesus gave us. Therefore, go out and make disciples of all the nations that we have this mission that we are on, that as followers of Jesus, it is inherently missional life. That all of us are here. <laughs> I know we all of us think of, of ourselves, well, I'm just, you know, I just go to church on Sunday and I just live here. And, you know, missionaries are the people who are going way off to some distant land. But I truly believe that all of us are missionaries here in this community. And we talked about that some last week, about, about Jill's experience, about coming home from Rwanda, about how everyone there was, was, was Christian. And then he comes here and how difficult it is to be a Christian here in this community, that this is a mission field as well. We also talked too about the, the breadth of mission, that mission is not just telling people about Jesus, as important as that is, that they find and follow him, but also serving them their physical needs too. If you know, people are homeless, it's hard for them to hear the gospel when all they can think about is not having a home. Or if someone's hungry, it's hard for them to understand the depth of their sin when all they're thinking is, where's my next meal coming from? That mission includes all these, the whole mission. Well, this morning we'll be talking some about the, uh, affirming that the, the church is a fellowship of believers. This is uh, the fourth affirmation of the Evangelical Covenant Church, is that we believe the church is a fellowship of believers. And Tracy kind of hinted at it a bit with the kids when she was asking them, what is church? I wonder how some of you are answering that question. What is church? Is it this building? Is this a church? Is the church, this event that we're at here this morning now at uh, 10.15 in the morning, is that church? What is church? But also, what is fellowship? You know, we talked about the, coming out from the other way, fellowship of believers. I mean, most of us have a sense of what, what believers are, but what is fellowship? What does this mean? So kind of to help us get started, uh, we are going to watch the next um, video from the covenant. that ready, Melody? The fellowship of believers is uh, the gathering of the church, that we um, are not meant to be individuals in spending time with God only alone but that we're supposed to be gathered together as a group of believers. From the very start, we were named uh, mission friends, so the friend or, or fellowship dimension has been clear from the start. A friend relationship is a peer relationship, a relationship between equals, not a relationship between a, a superior and an inferior. As the early church gathered and learned from each other and asked the questions, um, you know, where is it written, I think they helped each other to grow in their faith walk and um, 
to be able to develop as um, a community and to help stretch each other. God has mandated for us that we live and believe communally. In Genesis itself, it's said in chapter 1 that let us make human beings in our image. And then in the second chapter of Genesis, we read that it's not good for these human beings to be alone. Then as you move into the New Testament, Christ works with a community of disciples. Throughout the biblical witness, God's design for life and faith lived out communally is very clear. It's not an option for us, it's been ma mandated for us. And we as a covenant church have always affirmed that and tried to live that out with integrity. Growing up because of my dad's business, we moved quite often and so I never felt connected anywhere until I went to First Cove St. Paul. The youth pastor that was there as well as being, she was also the associate pastor, uh, was a wonderful woman who made a huge impact on my life. And one of the Monday nights when we had Bible study, she asked me to stay after. And she asked me, when are you going to quit acting like a Christian Marty and become one? And I think that was really the challenge to me, to help me to understand that it wasn't a set of rules or a set of guidelines of how to live your life, but it was really a relationship with Christ as well as a relationship with the body and a, and a group of people that helped you to grow in who you were. And so until I came to the Covenant Church, I didn't really understand what it meant to be in a fellowship and really understanding the importance of being with other believers as they challenged you in your faith walk. As humans, we're made to want to have relationship, a desire to be with other people. And I think that the church is a great place where we get a chance to be able to live that out. God talks about the importance of being able to have a vertical relationship, our one-on-one -on -one relationship with Him. So it's the vertical, and then it's also the horizontal where our relationship with each other and walking beside each other in faith. Both of our sacraments really express this priority uh, of the communal. In the baptism sacrament, for instance, a key piece of the litany is the promise of all present to help nurture the faith that's being commemorated. And in the Lord's Supper, we're commemorating table fellowship, not only with Christ, who would be so gracious as to give us a place at his table, but there's a strange and mystical sense in which we're experiencing fellowship that transcends time and place, status, race. We're in table fellowship with the followers of Christ that precede us and no longer live, and those yet to come. It's, it's a wonderful uh, community of faith we experience at the table, and uh, each worshiping community experiences that or points toward that at table. Society tells us it's okay for us to think about myself. I'm number one. I'm the most important. So it's countercultural in the fact that we are saying that it's not only ourselves, but we also are here and how we impact the whole of the world. It isn't just what I can get out of it, but what also what I give to other people. One of the things I would say, it's not always enough to be right. It's all, it also matters how you are right. One of the liberating things for me as a pastor was to know that it was okay if at times I was outvoted. There are times in which the collective wisdom is far superior than the, that of the pastor. And when one comes to terms with that, that can be liberating for, for a person in the pastoral office in particular. You have to trust that the spirits at work in the minds and hearts of all the people of God. In 1976, when the decision to ordain women took place, the denomination made the discernment communally that it was not only okay, but it was of God that, that uh, women be accessed to all of leadership roles within the church. The gifts of the Spirit are not limited 
to a particular gender or a particular race or a particular status of people. I think the Covenant has done a great job of really walking beside people no matter uh, what their background or the things that they come in with. I think that, that God just really allows them to grow and to be uh, a fellowship of believers and really helps us on that faith walk. My doctor of ministry was in a non-denominational seminary and people were just mystified and totally puzzled by who we are. Who is the Evangelical Covenant Church? And I found that the mission friend terminology was language that gave me a capacity to describe who we were and who we aspire to be. It's possible to be right about the mission, but to be so unfriendly, we undermine it. Well, while at the same time, it's possible to be very friendly, civil, uh, but be fuzzy and missionless. And I think when we uh, live out both halves of that name, there's a corrective, and we're balanced, and we're focused on the mission, but we do it in a strongly relational way. I think the reason why it's important to um, be a part of a fellowship of believers is because it's too easy to be able to stick to what it is that you think. It's too easy to get sidetracked or to do things in your own. But when I walk beside other people that ask the tough questions or get me to think or challenge me in what it is that I'm doing, then it really helps me to understand what it means to be in the body, in, in the group of believers who are continuing to be able to um, challenge each other, to work together, to use our gifting. And it's not about me, it's about what we can do together. So as we've been watching this, uh, this video, one of the things I was watching this week and the references to, uh, to the body of Christ. And I was thinking some, and it's actually referenced in the video too, is, is uh, 1 Corinthians. And if you would, open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Or it's also too in your bulletin right at the back if you want to just read it there as well. <clears throat> so... Uh, read this with me. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we're all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, be for that reason, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpre unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given them greater honor to the part that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. As I've been reflecting on this passage and in this, uh, this affirmation that the church is a fellowship of believers, a few things have happened. One, I realized that I was grateful. I was grateful for this message. I'm grateful for this opportunity to talk about 
the church as a fellowship of believers, as a chance to dispel maybe some of the, the misideas that we have, some of the wrong ideas we have about church, but also as a chance to reaffirm what church is. And the first thing I want to say is that the church is a fellowship of believers, which is interesting because when I, Tracy was asking the kids, what is church? What sort of answers were coming to your mind? For some of you thinking church is, is a, a building, like, you know, like we go, like I say this all the time, I'm going to the church, I'll be back in a minute, right? And what I mean is I'm coming to this place. And whether it's Sunday morning or it's Wednesday afternoon and it's completely empty, when I say I'm going to the church, I mean the place. I think the church, I think I'm misusing the word church. <laughs> Or what about when I say, you know, someone says, hey, we're going this weekend somewhere, um, you want to come with us? And I say, oh, I can't, I'm going to church on Sunday. What do I mean by that, right? Do I mean like I'm going to this event that happens, this worship event that happens Sunday mornings at 9.30 here? We often say that. When you say I'm going to church on Sunday, I mean, we often use that as a way of saying I'm going to this, to this event that's happening. And again, I think I'm misusing the word church there. As I think about it, that church is so much more than a place or an event. The church is a fellowship of believers. You are the church. We are the church. We make this building a church. Without us in it, it's just the building. I mean, we see that already. I mean, there's that, the little, I think they call it the, the church in the woods over there in Queens Bay. You know, it's just a building now. It used to be a church because there used to be believers, a fellowship of believers in it. And now, I, I mean, you could argue that it's just a building. So what happens is sometimes we get focused on the church as a building, we get focused on the church as an event. Both of these can kind of begin to undermine things. But it's interesting as I was thinking about this idea that the church is a fellowship of believers, which is why I often try to say, um, I try to make a distinction when I say, like, we're going to this church building uh, I don't always do it, but I try to. Or I try to talk a lot about our church family. I don't know if you hear me saying that some. Talking about our church family, because I'm trying to convey, to explicitly convey the idea that the church are the people, the family, gathered together. And it's interesting, too, because uh, in the church, there's, the, the Christians have tried to get at this word. In, in Greek, it's ecclesia, um, it's, um, which actually literally means uh, people who have been called out. And I think it comes from, like, in my reading, it comes from when they had a, a person who would go around and call out the people and, and basically call out people to gather together for a political reason. So they'd go to homes of key officials. Um, the messenger would go and he'd call them out and say, hey, we're having a meeting, we need you to come. And so they'd come out and they usually had a specific purpose. It was uh, usually like a political purpose. And it's interesting why the church grabbed onto that name. I, I Still kind of uh, need to study that some more, but how did we get the word ecclesia? But it means to be called out. But as two as you think about this church and that what it means for us and how when we start looking at the church as more than um, a building and more than an event, in one sense it starts to broaden our understanding of church, the people as a fellowship of believers, because fellowship of believers happens in all sorts of shapes and sizes. Fellowship of believers happens in a gigantic cathedral that looks very churchy, with you know, a cross at the top and stained glass windows and all sorts of things. Like a fellowship of believers happens there. But fellowship of believers also happens in someone's living room 
where a few of you are gathered together around the Word of God and you're praying and studying together, that's a fellowship of believers. What about a fellowship of believers in, in, say, in a small rural village in Africa where the fellowship of believers gathers around underneath a shade tree? It's a church. What about what happens when um, a fellowship of believers gathers together in a prison cafeteria? It's a church. The church is a fellowship of believers. It's the people. So not only when we start talking about it as a fellowship of believers, does it sort of broaden our understanding of what a church is and where a church happens, a fellowship happens. But it also helps us to um, keep our focus on people that you don't have to necessarily have a building with a cross at the top to be a fellowship of believers. So it means that we focus on people as a church. We focus on one another. And as a church, that's, the, that's one of the most important parts, is that we are a fellowship of believers, that we care for each other. It's the people that matter most. So that's the first part, is that the church is a fellowship of believers. Okay? The next part I wanted to talk about some was the church is a fellowship of believers, focusing on the word fellowship. What does a fellowship mean, right? What is that? (laughs) I don't know. I'm not a huge uh, um, Tolkien fan, but I mean, like the I think of fellowship. I think of like Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. What does that mean? I mean, I'm not. I mean, other than this, I don't use the word fellowship much. I mean, other than like we're a fellowship together. But I think as I've been studying some of what fellowship means, there's this idea of mutual commitment to one another. There's this idea of taking care of each other, of being there for one another. Fellowship has this idea of being committed to each other. And Paul is talking about this in the letter to the Corinthians when he's trying to explain to them that you are one body. I know that some of you are um, low status and some of you are really high status. Some of you may think you're a head and some of you may think you're a foot, but you are one body and you need each other. And that's part of what was happening in Corinth. There was, there was, it was a wealthy trade city and there were some really rich, wealthy people who had become uh, followers of Jesus and they were abusing their power in the church. They would gather together for the Lord's Supper and they would bring their own banquet while the rest of their poor brothers and sisters were trying to just have enough food to eat and maybe just would share in a piece of bread or a bit of wine. And then you had another family who would sit down with a seven-course meal and eat right in front of them. So there was abuse happening. And Paul's trying to say to them, you know, this whole status thing, slave, free, Jew, Greek, rich, poor, none of that happens in the kingdom of God. There's just one body. And if some of you have uh, honor or glory, Because you're a part of the body, you share that with your brothers and sisters who maybe inherently don't in our society. So he's saying that you are a fellowship, a commitment to one another, a fellowship, a community together. But also too, like as you read through the New Testament, there is this regular call, this regular command to stay together. I mean, Jesus commanded us to stay together. Paul commands us over and over again, stay together. James commands us to stay together. John commands us to stay together. Peter says stay together as a church, as a fellowship of believers. Continue to stay together, committed to each other, helping each other. I mean, even the writers of Hebrews says, let us not forsake meeting together like so many have done. 
Let us keep coming together. That's what a fellowship is. A fellowship stays together even when things are difficult. Even when you think, like, I'm really mad at the way things happen, or I'm really mad at so-and-so. But you know what? We're a fellowship. Because of Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit in us, we are a fellowship and we're committed to one another. And it's great because I know some of you and I know the situations that some of you have endured. Some of you know the times when you've been really hurt or really angry and yet you're still present because we're a fellowship, because of Jesus, because he holds us together. But it's interesting because I've, I was thinking some about this, about how um, important it is for us to keep gathering together. I believe that our faith in Jesus grows best when we regularly meet together on Sunday morning or Saturday night or whenever the church gathers in your, in your particular community. But for us, it's here Sunday morning. And when we gather together in small groups. I think that our faith in Jesus grows best when we regularly gather together in the fellowship of believers, gathering Sunday morning to worship and gathering throughout the week for small groups. It's interesting because I was thinking about this, you know, around 80 years ago, around that area, that there was tons of pressure to be at church on Sunday morning. Tons of pressure. And I'm, I mean, I didn't live then, so I'm kind of just guessing by what I read, but, but it was almost like people didn't care how you were spiritually as long as you were at church on Sunday. So you could, your family could be going through horrible things and no one would ask a question as long as you were at church on Sunday. It's interesting, some of you who kind of came up through that era, some of you still come to me, like if you know you're going to be gone on a Sunday, you come up to me and say, I'm going to be gone. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not backsliding. I haven't lost faith. I'm just going to be gone on a Sunday. I say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about you. But it's interesting how that happens. Or even sometimes, too, we talk about, you know, I'm just trying to get my friend to come to church, which is great, you know, because people can come here on a Sunday morning who have never uh, had any sort of experience with Jesus or very little, and God can work in them. So it's, there's nothing wrong with that. But also, too, I think it gets at the underlying sense that if I can just get them to come to church, everything will be okay. I think sometimes, you know, people do better when they begin to follow Jesus um, in their community. And then they come here because they want to. They show up because you start following Jesus and you think, I want to gather with other Christians. I want to gather with other people who believe the same thing and I want to praise God with them. But So that's been, it's interesting how that has um, sort of worked through our culture. But it's interesting, about 40 years ago, things started to swing the other way. And people were saying, you know, this whole pressure, this whole thing of, like, i got to go to church, I'm just, no thanks. <laughs> I'm done with it. And I think even I still feel the ramifications of it, because even I'm like, you know, I, I don't want to pressure you. If you don't want to be here, you know, then don't come. But I'm starting to feel differently about that. As the pendulum has swung so far that way, uh, in terms of, well, I, I don't really want to gather with the priesthood of believers. I don't want to gather with the fellowship of the church because I don't really feel like it today. <laughs> I don't think that's good for us either. We've gone so far, from, you, know, you know, a couple generations ago, is, you know, as long as you show up on church, everybody knows you're fine. Even if you're not fine, they think you're fine. To the pendulum swinging so far the other way that, you know, I think right now like, they've done some studies that, if a person attends um, or gathers with a church, the Fellowship of Believers, once every six weeks, like once every month and a half, 
They consider themselves a regular attender. That's pretty interesting to me. (laughs) That doesn't feel like regular attendance at all to me. But the pendulum has swung so far. And, And I think in a response to not wanting to pressure people to be here, like wanting to avoid legalism, we've gone maybe almost too far saying, only come if you feel like it. Well, I think actually that's not so healthy. But as I read the word of God, Paul's saying, gather together. Keep gathering together. And, I, and I'm sure most of you have heard this, but I think of that, that analogy of, of a coals, of fire, um, you know, in a, in a fire pit. You know, you've got all these hot, red hot coals, and usually someone's talking to someone who hasn't been there for a while, and they tell them, you know, if you take one coal out, it goes gray, and it loses heat. But as soon as you move that coal back into the fire, it starts to glow red again. They usually use that with someone who hasn't been coming for a while. But I was thinking about it as when you have a coal or you have a bunch of coals, and what happens if, they, if you spread them all out? They all go gray. They all stop glowing. So all of us need to keep gathering together to stay hot, to keep glowing, to keep providing light in our community. We all need to keep gathering together. And here's the thing. The thing that I realize is that when we are really following Jesus, when our relationship is right with him, who wouldn't want to gather and praise him? Who wouldn't want to gather on a Sunday morning, even if it's early, to sing songs to the Lord who has saved us. When our relationship is right with Jesus, who wouldn't want to gather with a couple of other Christians to read his word together and pray together and maybe share a meal together? Who wouldn't want to do that? When our relationship is right with Christ, we want to gather together. We want to gather together to praise him. We want to gather together to learn more about him and how to follow him more faithfully. But it's interesting because it's sort of a feedback loop because the more we do that, the better our relationship will be with him. The more we gather together to worship him, the more we gather together to to study his word, the more we will love him, the better our relationship will be. And I was thinking some about this this week is how we live in a society that trains us, that beats us over the head. I mean, we're trained, I mean, my kids are already like experts at it, of being consumers. Like makes me sick as I just even think about that about my kids, about my sons. Like they they get one toy, and this is so dirty. I'm like so angry at it now. They get one toy, but in that like that Lego box, they send you the instructions, and at the back of the instructions are five more sets they need. Right? <laughs> it drives me crazy because my son he builds his thing, and then he starts looking through the book, and then he pushes it off the side and just starts looking at the stuff he doesn't have. And we're trained to teach, we're trained to approach everything as a consumer. To even approach our church family as a consumer. You know, and I talked about it, you know, and I, you know, sometimes we approach church as an event. Well, if we are thinking of church as an event, I'm, I'm going to church on Sunday morning, I'm going to this event on Sunday morning, it's really easy for us to approach it as a consumer. Let me ask you this question How is church going this morning? I don't know how many of you think about that, but the first thing I imagine that most people think of is, well, the music was good. I like that. Or Jason seemed to go on a little too long this morning. I wasn't so good about that. 
you know, the paint on the wall was great or the paint on the wall was horrible. When somebody asks you how was church this morning, we usually start answering in terms of what did I like, right? Or what did I not like? What was my impression of it? That's what happens when we approach church as an event. What happens when we approach church as a fellowship of believers? And someone asks you how was church this morning, and you start thinking, well, I was able to contribute by praying for my friend who I know is going through a difficult time. I was able to um, set up a time to meet with another one of my friends to be a blessing to them. Or I was able to bring in produce from my garden and share with everyone. I was able to contribute. I was able to actually to sign up for uh, one of the ministries in the church, like Sound Booth. Thanks, Melody. You're doing awesome. <laughs> to contribute. When you see the church as a fellowship of believers, as a family, we stop asking, what's in it for me? And we start asking, how can I contribute? How can I add? And I I get it. I mean, we're taught everywhere else to approach everything as a consumer. What am I getting out of it? And do I like it? Yes or no? Okay, then I'll keep going. And when you see church as an event, it's really easy to slip into that consumer mindset. But when you begin to see the church as a fellowship of believers, as our family in Jesus, sure, it's okay to, you know, to, to receive some out of that, to, to be blessed by it. But we also start asking in equal share, how can I contribute? How can I bless others? Okay, maybe like the songs that we sing aren't exactly my favorite type, Okay. But I get to praise, I get to bless people, and I get to praise God while I'm doing it. One of my professors um, in seminary when I, when I went to school, he said, I can worship anywhere. I have learned how to worship anywhere because I am praising God. And maybe I don't recognize the tune, but I still can say the words, and I can praise God. When you start seeing church as a fellowship of, believer, a fellowship of believers, it opens up all sorts of things. So this morning, I'm hearing God speak to us as a church. I'm grateful for this affirmation because when it, it kind of gives us a chance to maybe um, dispel or to undo some of the wrong ideas that creep in about church. Church is more than a building with a cross at the top. Church is more than an event where uh, 90 people gather together on a Sunday morning. Those are parts of a church, but more than that, so much more than that, the church is a fellowship of believers. And by fellowship, I mean a group of people who are gathered around Jesus and committed to one another. Who are here not just to take, not just to get, but also here to contribute, to bless each other.